0: Welcome to the Dollars and Cents radio show with your host, accountant and author, Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Dollars and Cents show. This is your host, Carol Topp from homeschoolcpa.com. I am in the second part of a five-part series of uh, excerpts from a talk I did called the top 10 tips for running a homeschool program. And this was given to a group of homeschool leaders a few years ago in Wichita, Kansas. And in the previous episode, I talked about the duties that a board has. In this episode, we're going to be talking about bylaws. And in particular, creating bylaws is what makes you a nonprofit. And there were some excellent questions from the audience about, um, is a board and bylaws uh, only necessary if you're a 501c3? That was the main question asked. It was an excellent question, and I discussed that whole issue, which you might find very helpful if your board is considering getting tax-exempt status, 501c3 status. I hope you enjoy this and look forward to the next couple of top 10 tips for running a homeschool organization in the upcoming podcast episodes. Bye, Laws. I think I'm going to be preaching to the choir again. But my advice is create them, <laughs> use them, and set term lim- limits. Um, there there are some people that have no term limits in their bylaws, and that, that can be good because it keeps the continu- continuity of service, but then it means... Sometimes the leaders are there for 10, 15 years, which is not always good either, right? You get no f- new fresh ideas. It's, it's really a balance. Uh, you get new fresh ideas, no fresh blood. Um, you exhaust the leaders, things like that. So I do like term limits. My, um, my church had the same treasurer for 30 years. should never have the same treasurer for 30 years he was a godly man he was a wonderful man but our church grew tremendously in those 30 years from a tiny organization to like i said multi-million and he couldn't keep up and he was the volunteer treasurer and he was doing he was the bookkeeper and the treasurer mistake number two and so the one thing he stopped doing was balancing and reconciling the checking account because it was more important to just make sure that the deposits were counted and the bills were paid So finally we got a very strong chair of trustees who said, we're going to have an audit. And the auditor came in and they threw up their hands after about two days and said, you're a mess, get it fixed. And we hired a CPA and after about a month he threw up his hands and said, I think you have to take about a $50,000 adjustment to your checking account because what I see is your checking account and what the bank says is different by $50,000. Now again, this is a multi million dollar church, but that's still a huge hit. He said the CPA said, if you want me to, I can dig into it. It'll take these many months and you're gonna pay me this. And we said we'll take a fifty thousand dollar correction. We don't know where the fifty thousand dollars went. Over thirty years it just nibbled away, right? Okay. So this is why we we I became the the second treasurer after after this thirty it was not easy for the for the for the board and this of course we had like i said we had a very strong chair of trustees for her to, to have that conversation with the man who had been serving the church for 30 years like no more brought in a qualified cpa he lasted and excuse me a treasurer he he only lasted about a year and a half and then he moved and then i came on as church treasurer but i i only served three years. The the way the bylaws of my church were written is the treasurer could serve one year and could be reappointed indefinitely. Bad idea. So I wanted to say I will serve three years and that was it because I wanted to set the example. I did the same thing at my co-op. I served three years as treasurer and then I stepped down because I don't think it's ever healthy for the treasurer to serve more than two or three years. So have those term limits, please. I already told you there's sample bylaws on my website as a word document so you can Change them out. Okay? I have a question. Yeah? So is a board and bylaws only necessary if you are 501c3? No, having a board and having a bylaws is what makes you a nonprofit. Most nonprofits go to the IRS and get tax exempt status. 501c3 is tax exempt status. Okay? So ask your question again, knowing that. That we're just trying to figure out how much we need to assemble ourselves or even be organized or Okay, do. okay, okay, fair question. I think what, they, what you need is a board, and you need bylaws because that's what establishes you as a nonprofit. You're probably right now an unincorporated nonprofit, whether you want to file for anything or, yeah. Not typically because the state typically cares about you when you become a nonprofit corporation. Most of the time they don't quote care about you in the terms of requiring you to file anything with them until you become a nonprofit corporation. You may never become a nonprofit corporation you may stay small like you guys we were talking at the break may stay an unincorporated association that 's just a group of people who pool their money for a common activity. I compare it to the friends going out to dinner and splitting the check right you're not a, you're not a a nonprofit corporation, because you go out to dinner with somebody, right? You just you're more like a play group, but you are uh, combining your money for a common cause, a group of people, an association. So it's perfectly legal to operate as an unincorporated association. But you have bylaws. You might create something a little more official called articles of association. There's samples on my website, too. They look a lot like articles of incorporation, only you don't file them with the state. They're merely created by you. Okay? But then typically what happens is you start bringing enough money, you need the checking account, right? And then you need an employer identification number. Right, which you already have. Right, so now you're like, okay, I'm a nonprofit because I have a board and bylaws and a nonprofit and I'm organized and operate like one and I have a nonprofit purpose and all that stuff. But now I'm bringing in cash. Remember, I told you earlier, if you're bringing cash and you deliver service, what are you? A business until you get tax exempt status. So how do you get tax exempt status? You go apply with the IRS. Or there's a little loophole for organizations less than $5,000 of annual gross revenues that they can, quote, self-declare. So you guys stand up one day and say, we self-declare. <laughs> we are a 501c3 tax-exempt organization because we fit the criteria of. We're a nonprofit. We're organized for educational purposes. We don't practice inurement, that flowing down of money. There's a few little things, okay? And so you self declare. Now, we're jumping to point 10 on the outline, but point 10 says (laughs) you can self declare your tax exempt status, but you have to now, since 2007, have to maintain it by telling the IRS every year that you exist. Now, it's not too bad. It's a pretty simple form called the 990N, eight questions. The eight questions are something really difficult like what is your name? address, EIN number, give me the name of one human being called an officer, check the box if you bring in less than 50,000, check the box if you're still alive. You have to file that 990N to maintain your self-declared tax exempt status. The problem is if you go online right now and type in 990N and you try to file it, you're not in the IRS database because you never applied and they don't know about you. So you make one phone call, I have on my website exactly what to say to them, Call at 8 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time, because they're in Cincinnati, and they open their phone lines at 8 o'clock, and I tell you exactly what to say to get in their database so you can file the 990N so you can maintain your self-declared it status. Where is that on your website? Right on the home page, it says something about how do I get into the IRS database to file my 990Ns. <laughs> so go to the blog page if you can't find it, and there's a search box, put in 990N. Okay? But right on the home page, there's a little bit of frequently asked questions. One is, how do I get in the IRS database to <laughs> file my 9 Okay? So, sorry, we skipped to number 10, but that's okay. Did that help? Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents radio show with Carol Top here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.